Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. Time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted. Welcome to another edition of Count Time Podcast. I am Brother L. Diazobra, formerly named Lyman White. Thank you for joining us today. I have Coach Linda Blanc, a gentleman out of Crowley, Louisiana. Someone I've been knowing now for over 40, 44, somewhere around 44, there, yeah. 45 years. A long, that's it, long that's time. interesting for me to say that. Yeah. <laughs> this is the, the, the young man at 82 years of age now who recruited me, came to the big city of Franklin back in the early 70s or mid-70s to recruit me to come to LSU. And I'm so forever grateful for that and to be a part of the Tiger Nation and to have the opportunity to play at LSU. And uh, so it's just so much to say about you, Coach. You played under the great Coach Paul Deason. That's correct. Uh, you played in the 1958. I was, I was a freshman in 1956, and the freshmen were not allowed to play varsity ball then. And we had a hell of a football team as freshmen, Billy Cannon, Johnny Robinson, Warren Rabb, and all that bunch. And uh, then as a freshman, not a freshman, but a sophomore in 1957, I, I was a starting left tackle and defensive right end on the first unit. Billy Cannon, I got kind of proud of it. Billy Cannon and I were the only two players off that 56 team that started every game, 30, you know, 10, 10 a year for three years and two bowl games. Billy Cotton and I. So, but anyway, started in 57 and stayed there until I graduated. I didn't let anybody beat me out, but I, I never got hurt seriously enough to go to the training room and let somebody step in and take my place. So I just played hurt most of the time to, to keep my spot. But anyway, 56 freshman and 59 my last year, national championship 58. And so you was, you was part of the first LSU right. National Championship exactly. team. Exactly. How was that back then? What was the well, atmosphere like back then? You know, the stadium that was built to hold 64,000 people, I think, was maxed out like 30,000 until we got there as freshmen. And we had more people come to the freshman football game that year, uh, especially the one against Ole Miss. We beat them like 41 to – 20 maybe or 18, but uh, you know, it's it just nobody, there wasn't excitement there, but when we started winning about the fifth game of the of 1958, yeah, well, you couldn't buy a ticket and the fans were just wild and crazy. They had, to, they had uh, students rallied on the campus, they had panty raids and marches and all kind of stuff. And uh, they hung Billy Cannon in effigy somewhere, you know, and they dropped pamphlets on the football field for us to read like somebody's going to beat the hell out of us. I mean, they did all kind of crazy things, you know, out of a – but the student body, man, they were wild. Fans were wild. And uh, we started filling the stands up like midway of the 58 season and the rest of, rest of its history, you know. It was a complete sellout. The one good thing about it back in those days – you can sell your tickets <laughs> on your own. So a couple of games, we got $100 a piece. And if you had four tickets, that's a lot of money. $100 a piece back then? Yeah. So uh, anyway, it, it was a lot of lot of good things going on, a lot of excitement, you know. And, uh, and, and we were we were picked to, like, finish sixth or seventh or eighth. We weren't picked to finish very high at all and ended up, you know, battling with Ole Miss again for the number one spot. And uh, we beat them, beat Ole Miss 14 nothing in, in uh, our national championship year, which was a pretty good – I think they were ranked third. We we were finally ranked, I think, about number one about that time. Or maybe – I don't know exactly how it That's happened. that game with Billy Cannon's great run? No, Billy Cannon, people get that confused. Billy Cannon's great one run was in 59. And that's the year, you know, we uh, we were undefeated. You know, we, we had beaten Ole Miss – Seven to three on his run back, and uh, I'm proud to say that uh, Marty Mule, a sports writer, called me one day. You see that picture up there? Says the sack. He says, uh, "Lynn, did, did, did Billy Cannon ever thank you?" 
I said, for what? He said, well, you set the, his run back up. I mean, if it wouldn't have been, I, I threw Jake Gibbs for a 10-yard loss. They were on our 48-yard line, threw him on a 10-yard loss and on 42. And instead of punting from in our territory, they decided to punt on third down. If it had been punting from inside, the ball would have been in the end zone. Billy would have never returned it. So, you know, it's just one of those things. He said, you set up the most – the, the most famous football player in the history of LSU. I said, well, me and a bunch of other guys did it. I just didn't do it by myself. But I did throw Jake Gibbs for a loss. But uh, but anyway, I forget the question you asked now. No, no, that was good. Uh, was, uh, were you part of Billy Callahan run? You said when people got it. It was 1959 up. instead of 58. That's what got him the Heisman Trophy winner in, in 50, 59. At, at one run. At one run. Well, he – At one look, run. The next, week, the next week now – we go play Tennessee. We got a 19-game winning streak. And then nobody 19-game winning streak. Winning streak from the year before to that game in 59. Now, we won all of them in 58, and then we won about six uh, up until I think there was the seventh game of the year. And then we get ready to play Tennessee, and I'll be down. We let them beat our ass by one point, no, 14-13. But, again, we went for two. Now, who's going to carry the ball on the goal line for two points? It's going to be Billy Cannon. Everybody in the world knew it. They knew it, and they stopped us. And uh, Billy Cannon swears to this day that he scored. But uh, history book says no. So they beat us 14-13 for our first loss of that year. And uh, So they should have used a, uh, Billy Cannon as a decoy and let the quarterback yeah, the kept quarterback, the ball. Right? If he'd have bootlegged, he'd have been all by himself in the end zone, clapping his own hands up that he scored. But anyway, that was a 50-59 season. And uh, – that was my last year. And one good thing I'm very, very proud of, after the season, my teammates voted me permanent team captain, which I that's one of the, you know, I, I wasn't All-American, honorable mention, stuff like that. But, you know, and I was all SEC sophomore, but as I got up, you know, in the junior, the senior, I was second team, third team. But my buddies, my peers voted me there. And that was something I was real proud of. So as a sophomore, you made all SEC, first team all SEC. That was a sophomore team. Sophomore team. Not the, okay. not the big yeah. team. You know, they got all freshman team or all sophomore team. But anyway, me and Cannon, you know, Cannon made it easy. I don't know how the hell I got in, but I did. <laughs> but, but y'all, but that, so the 58 is when y'all won the national championship. Right, exactly. So fifty nine, which I had another good season. Yeah, that we lost that one game. We were nine and one, but we did lose to Ole Miss. They got us back in the uh, Sugar Bowl. They beat us twenty one nothing, kind of like the good team we had a couple of years ago, Alabama. Okay. And uh, but nobody wanted to play in it. We had to vote three times before we went. We decided to go. Diesel had to promise give us sixteen tickets so we could sell, you know. And then finally we voted to go, but Cannon was hurt. Rab was hurt, Robinson was hurt, and we didn't want to play. And uh, we lost that game. But uh, we were actually 9-2 and two that year. But we were 9-1, and one, losing by one point. Counting the bowl game. Yeah. But, okay. but anyway, a lot of good memories. Uh, that's, that's a lot of great – that's history. That's, that's part of your history. Yeah, well. And I'm, I'm excited to be here to, to even uh, to participate and be able to record this moment. Uh, but also – this young man, Coach Lynn LeBlanc, is part of my history as well. I would not have been at LSU if Coach wouldn't have came knocking. And uh, well, I think I, I signed up for LSU in 1977. So I guess you started recruiting me in 76. Or Probably 76, yeah. I, I don't think you recruited me my sophomore year. You had to be. No, I waited until the senior, my, senior year in high school. Senior year in high school. And uh, and I know I know you you do you do remember because that was that was a big thing that uh, LSU for for LSU to come to the high school in Franklin. Although y'all had two Franklin high guys playing, uh, Harrison Francis was on the on the LSU team and Clinton Burrell. Clinton would be where I was before you. I thought they yeah, might have been the same. I, I, it, was came, it was two years before me. Okay. So y'all came to knocking uh, at for me. But I don't know if you remember when, he sh when you showed up, that was a big thing. Everybody said, well, LSU coaches is, uh, is out there. But I was pretty much set on going to Nicker State. 
Were you really? Yeah. At that time, because well, I didn't realize my that. best, my, my, my cousin, you had a buddy who was my best friend, we grew up together. We grew up, uh, I mean, when I tell you, we was, it was tongue-in-cheek everywhere we went. And uh, we was all hugged up everywhere we went. We stayed we stayed close together. We, yeah, yeah. we was first cousins, but we grew up from since our childhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a very, very intelligent young man. He was very smart. His name was now Ray he was Johnson. On the, he was on the same team with you as a he senior? Was, no, no, he was a year ahead of, ahead of you. Okay. So he was already playing football. And I, I, I didn't recruit him, so that was another <laughs> thing. He wanted to get you to come to, to Nickel. Yeah, so I'm thinking, well, I, that just was automatic because I was going wherever he went to mm-hmm. yeah, because you know our, our history together yeah, so, right. so, was so big and so powerful. Our family history, our dynamics that he and I grew up with. So when you showed up, it's like, and at that time, for you know us, for us athletes uh, who come from the inner city, LSU was no was not a big deal because being back in Franklin, who you know LSU was not on TV. It was just kind of starting to get on TV. Yeah, right. So it was not a, a big deal in the in the early in the mid seventies. Uh, for for LSU, so I was like, okay, LSU's here. So, do you remember? Uh, well, it was a big deal for Doctor Sterling. He, he was the one. <laughs> he might have been the only one, but he was. Of course, Robert McDonald, you had. He was a head football coach. Right. Robert McDonald, I always loved. He was. Uh, he was a good friend of mine. He played after me, but he was an LSU man through and through, and he was kind of mischievous mischievous in a lot of ways that I was with him. We did some bad things, I guess, together. But he and I was very close. And, and look, I guess of all the – between him and Dr. Sterling, I think were the, the two reasons why uh, the interest of, of some of the players there, that, you know, was coming to LSU. Because, you know, Dr. Sterling, the doctor has a pretty good influence on, on families, mothers and fathers, you know, and – I mean, a lot of times they went for him for help. So if he comes over there and says, look, I'd like for your boy to come, your son to come to LSU, you know, and they got him, well, we're going to see about, you know, getting yeah, him there. Yeah. So, well, he he was a community stable and people that truly respected him. Right, him. right. He, he was good-hearted. I, I still talk to him every now and then. Yeah. What, what, y'all, what his nickname was, Skip? Skippy. <laughs> Skippy started, yeah. <laughs> Skip the Sterling, yeah. I mean, I tell you, he showed up on a regular basis. Yeah, I know he did. But he was he was a big LSU fan. You know, I mean, he came to games all until. He, in fact, the last couple of years he came, he had a chauffeur to bring him to the game because he couldn't drive anymore. Uh, but anyway, I think I think the chauffeur, the, the limousine belonged to Prescott Foster. Remember, Mr. Oh, Pres- yeah, Pres- Prescott. Press and Doctor Sterling. Put the most pressure on me. Yeah, that, to come to LSU, yeah. But what got me one day too was that, uh, <clears throat> you know, we lived in the little projects uh, in Franklin, on this on Seventh Street, and Doctor St- uh, Press Foster's dad, Murphy Foster, Murphy Foster, yeah, showed up at the door. Oh, he came by to visit you too. <laughs> not, not twice, maybe two or three times. All right, okay. And, uh, so he showed up at the door, and my mom said, or my, one of my sisters said. Some some little white man out there to see you. He was a real short guy. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, so I went peek to the door. I, said, I don't know him. <laughs> so, yeah, so I stepped out. He said, I'm Murphy Foster. And he told oh, me who right. he was. He said, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm Press Foster's father and Mike Foster, but I didn't know. I knew Press, but I didn't know Mike as well. He said, uh, I'm hearing a lot of great things about you, and we would love for you to be an LSU type. He said, we really want you to consider coming here and play, going to LSU and playing. I said, yes, sir. Thank you very much. I still didn't know. I'm, a, I'm <laughs> 17 years old. I still yeah. don't know who Murphy Foster was. Sugar Mill and that equipment oh, yeah. repaired. He ended up being governor. You know, I mean. They got in touch with my, he got in touch with my grandfather. My grandfather came, my mom's dad, uh, Mayfield okay. Johnson. He came and explained that, hold on, you got a lot of people looking out for you, you need to really consider the LSU opportunity. But I still was Bill Nichols, huh? Bill Nichols State because that's that's where my, my best friend, my cousin Ray, was attending and that's all I knew. And that's that's where my interest was at. <clears throat> but you 
kept showing up too. You would show yeah, up uh, yeah. on a on a. I wasn't gonna day. let you get away. I was gonna get you <laughs> turn your head some kind of way. What, what what did you see in me to recruit me at, back then? Well, you know, Lavin, I always, you know, you you look at an athlete as a high school player. You want to you you want to try to figure out his love for the game. You know, getting in. There getting his job done, getting it done right, you know, and showing a lot of enthusiasm. Hell, you had all the, you know, the ability, you had the speed, you had the size. And uh, it looked to me like you, you were a guy that was going to be really suitable to play at LSU. You know, a lot of times we, we, we get a kid and he doesn't pan out, you know. And, but I thought you were 100% you were going to make it, you know, at LSU. And, I just kept after you until, until finally you decided to go. Now, Johnson, you're talking about, we had, a, I signed a running back. I forget his first name that came to LSU. No, you signed a, another linebacker, Mike Johnson. Was he a linebacker? Yeah, Mike Johnson. Him I, and Greg Bowser that year. He did what? You signed him and Greg Bowser. I thought there was another Johnson I signed as a running back from there. No. No? Okay. Know. Well, that, my memory's kind of short on yeah, that. You anyway, signed another I linebacker. He stayed, though. He must have left. I don't remember him playing. He might have. Of course, I was gone after a while. You, he I, probably played after. Yeah, I left. Mike Johnson came, and Mike must have left his. Would would have been. Yeah, it must have been the year your your your, your last year last there year because. Was yeah, Mike. <clears throat> no, I think he played. He was there one more year, but he ended up he ended up leaving. Yeah. He ended up not finishing up. Well, you know, talking about you know signing. I was known as the black recruiter at LSU at that time. <laughs> I mean, you, you signed, I think they must have signed a guy that before Clinton, I can't remember his name, but Clinton. Harrison Morello, Francis. You, uh, uh, Leonard Marshall, uh, Gregory Bowser, Johnson, okay. I signed Rubisky. You know, I mean, oh, we just, okay. just uh, there's a couple more down the line, I guess, but. I was known as the black recruit. I said, well, that's the ones that can play. I'm going to get the ones that can play. I don't care whether they're black, white, or purple. Well, well you know, you, 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 are, you are Italian anyway, right? So, well, I'm a, I'm a little mixed. A little mixed. But, but you, you know, you, you was that good-looking man that showed up that, that all the lady was excited about anyway. Oh, no, man, anyway. <laughs> so, that kind of got me, could get me in trouble if I'm not careful. <laughs> but anyway, I, you know, as I saw you as a football player, you had speed. Seemed like you had strength. I don't know if y'all did any weightlifting over there, but uh, I just knew you were you were the type that uh, would, would make it. So I I stayed after you as long as I could until I finally got you. Yeah. So in nineteen, it must have been January or February nineteen seventy seven. I still have the picture where you, my mom, my dad, and I on that signing date. I got I, either you sent it to I me. I sent it to you. A I, while I got back. it. Plus, I think I have one or two pictures of my own somewhere in a stack. Oh, okay. Of pictures okay, yeah. Because yeah. one day I was I was looking through some pictures. Must have been several years ago, and yeah. I found those pictures. Like, yeah. you know, that, that was a beautiful experience. I found the pictures right. uh, that back from the what, forty-four, almost forty-four years ago, forty-three, yeah. forty-four years ago. Well, tell me. Uh, what was your, what was your was eighty your last year? 80? Eight, 80 was my uh, I played seventy seven. You played so one year after I left. Then one you? year after you left. Okay. And Bishop Harris, Bishop Harris, was my coach then. Uh, Charlie, that's Jerry Stovall came in as a head coach, mm -hmm. and Charlie McClendon. Uh, yeah. yeah, right. The year I left. left at that time too. Uh, heck, I was thinking of. Rydell Malonson was another guy. Yeah, that that's who you recruited, yeah. Rydell. St. James. That's right there, and that you Maybe brought him. I didn't get a chance to coach him at all because I, you know, I recruited him, and I think I left at, at that time. See, I, I think you, you, you no, he was there one year. Well, I, I was there, and I think he came and played in eighty. Okay, well, him did did, did uh, he and uh, no Coach O came my sophomore year, junior year. You know, my junior year, Coach O came my junior year. Coach O? Yeah. O Is that Jerome. right? I didn't realize he was. Yeah, he came in, uh, must have been 79, because you recruited him. Well, he. 
Yeah, okay. That's what, what are we talking about? Yeah. The, the, who was his roommate for the first few days? I can't remember that guy. I can't remember, but, but I think they both left. In the middle of the night. Because <laughs> we all woke up that next morning, there were some sheets hanging from a window. <laughs> you know, I, t I tell this story. Uh, when, I f my, when I left LSU as a coach, I went to La Rose Cutoff first. That was my first coaching job. Head coach right out of college. I was there for four years. All right. When I moved there, my backyard, there's a fence that separated my house from his mom and daddy's, his house. From Coach O? Coach O. So me and his daddy would visit over the fence. His, fence. his daddy was a real big football fan. And uh, in fact, his mother, uh, Ogeron's mother, talked told her one time he thought I was the best football coach there was. Of course, I won one state championship, played for another, you know. But anyway, he and I would talk over the – and I can remember seeing Baby in a stroller. Baby, call it – Well, uh, yeah, that's call what we Call Coach but Baby back then. But they had, like, there's four kids in the yard playing, and he was still in a stroller with a, with, a, with a pippy in his mouth, you know. And he was trying, like, to get out of – he must have been, like, I want to say maybe six months old. But anyway, I leave La Rose Cutoff and go to Northeast, and then I come to LSU, and then I go to work for Golf Engineering Company, and I get out of coaching. Well, 35 years later, I think it was, there's a banquet at Drusilla where they have all these politicians and the sheriff and the mayor, and everybody shows up, and hell, uh, 300-something people there, and it, 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 it's by invitation only. Anyway, I, I, I rest, I look up with this. I have not seen him now in 35 years. But I, I mean, he has not seen me okay. in 35 years. I've seen him. And so I registered, I didn't put my name tag on. And I walked up to Baby and I said, uh, Baby, you want if I call you? No, that's fine. I said, I'm going to ask you a question that people ask me sometimes. It irritates the hell out of me. But I'm going to ask you. I said, Do you know who the hell I am? Boy, he looked at me, he looked at me, he looked at me. He said, I'm sorry, I don't know who they are. And I said, I'm Coach LeBlanc. I signed you to a football scholarship to LSU in 1979, and you left. <laughs> Boy, he grabbed me and liked to kill me. You know, I mean, that's the first time I'd seen him in that long. So since then, he's asked me to go talk to his players. And I've, I've gone done it a couple times, and I'll go watch practice sometimes, and he'll be always be sure to come talk to me and be introduced to whoever I'm bringing or whatever. And I hope he, you know, that's the year he had two years ago, that was unreal. Oh, and I hope, he, I hope he don't get involved in all this Title IX stuff yeah, with, uh, with Darius. So, but anyway, but that, that's a story. <laughs> but, but he left, huh? Yeah, you he, remember he, that? He came there. Do you he, remember he, him being there? I, I, the reason he, I remember him, because he told me I was his uh, – what you call it again? Sponsor or something? No, he looked up to me. I was he oh, the guy. Oh, you, you were going. He was his sponsor then. No, no. When, when I mean, he I, was no, when he was in high school, oh, okay. he admired me the way I played. Okay. So right. he looked up to me. Yeah. All right. So that's kind of how he told you that. Then. Yeah, all he right. told me that. You know, he said, "Hey, man, I, I oh, really admire you." But you know, I think when he stayed there about a was it a week, a week and a half. I don't think he stayed that long. I thought he left stayed stayed about three days. I think because they put him. He got there the same year with Little Marshall. And Ramsey Dodder. Okay. Uh, uh, Marshall was my recruit too. You know? and, and he he played nose guard. Uh, so he, there was no room at nose guard. No, at, at linebacker, he wanted to play linebacker. Yeah, I and, think they put him at center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or then, like they put, then they moved him to office. And he didn't like that's, that. That's when he left. Yeah, well, you know, that's, that was just, I think that was basically, maybe we didn't have a center just to make a full freshman team or something, to, you know, to to run plays with is probably why they put him there. You know, that's uh, – oh, another player I recruited, Alvin Thomas. Remember Alvin Thomas? Alvin Thomas would be Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. another. You know, I mean, you go right now, I'm the black recruiter. But anyway, uh, I hated to see old baby leave, but he finally made it back, and I hope he can stay a few more years. Yeah, because he's really – he's good for the university. He's good for the uh, – yeah. for, for the state. Yeah. He's good for the former players. He makes us feel a exactly. part of the exactly. – he makes us feel like his home is a family. That's right. Exactly. Uh, he, so, you know, uh, like he'll tell you, well, look, come speak to our, our yeah, like uh, somebody told him, I think the president of the university – oh, no, it was uh, it was uh, 
the athletic director, told him to stay out of politics, which is true. <laughs> he said, we need to stay out of politics because you're going to irritate half the people, you know, in some kind of way. That was, when I left LSU, talking about that, to go to LaRose Cutoff to uh, coach, a guy that was a, a big LSU fan at that time it was a Charleston salesman. And uh, anyway, he called me to his house. He said, look, he says, I know you're going to La Rose. He said, but I'm going to give you one word of advice. He said, stay out of politics, which I did. I didn't ever, you know, back anybody. Because, you know, you're going you go, you go, you go to piss half the people off in a state. Right. In a state or, you know, you, so anyway. But uh, also, I, I got to ask this question for my own benefit because uh, when I was at LSU, and you, and you all put me at a defensive end. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a problem with that. You did have. A, you didn't like. You didn't want to be a defense, but you want to be. I, I was a. I was a linebacker. A linebacker. Right? Well, it, it, in the end, it's it's a half-ass lineman and a half-ass linebacker. You know, really. You remember I kept asking y'all when y'all gonna put me back at linebacker. You said well, we gonna we gonna get to that. We <laughs> never did. You uh, <laughs> were too good at him. We needed you at end. Lyman. Now, you know, I kept at that D in. I kept thinking, well, I'm not big enough to be playing no defense. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? You probably would. Well, who was playing linebacker at that time? I don't remember. We we had a we had a full crew. Dad Minardi, uh, Craig Hensley, uh, Cupid. We had a whole bunch of guys at that time. Linebacker back then. Well, you were better than all everyone you mentioned. You know, I, I think it probably might have been a mistake having you in because you'd have been. I mean, you could run. You know, you like you like these guys that are going to the pros now. You know, White and all them guys that's going. To, you you had their ability. You did. And of course, uh, what you signed for? How many? How many? How many thousand dollars you signed for? Right now they're signing for millions. Right. You know, they, they didn't pay nobody back then. <laughs> only thing I the only bragging right is that I was drafted the fifty. Ford, 56 player of the draft. That's all okay. I mean, That's the only bragging rights. Well, know. look, I don't know what you got, but in 1959, I went to play for the Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers. I didn't want to go, but I but I signed for $7,500 and a $1,500 bonus. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Billy Cannon, that same year now, he's the Heisman Trophy winner. He signed a $100,000 contract, but it was only $33,300 Per year, and that was unheard of then. Thirty-three thousand dollars a year. That was, that right now, money. who was it? The quarterback got thirty million dollars guarantee. What was his name? Uh, LSU a while back, big tall black quarterback from Mobile. Uh, what was his name? I forget his name right now. But thirty dollars, uh, thirty million uh, guarantee. Can you believe that? But anyway, Jamarca Russell. Jamarca yeah, Russell. Russell. Yeah, Jamarca. Uh, I don't know what the hell they do with all that money, but uh, oh, some some of them just act fools. You know, you're giving a child that kind of money. That's yeah. just unheard yeah. of. But anyway, but so linebackers, what you want that be? Well, yeah, because that that a matter of fact, I still got articles that I I ran across where I was complaining in an article uh, that okay. he said he's gonna put me back at linebacker, <clears throat> but you know, but I, I for on on behalf of you know to your credit. I was reading this book years ago, about two, seven, 15, 17 years ago, and you made a statement in that book. <laughs> I did. And that book was written by Mark. What Mark and I? Uh, he's a guy. Uh, he's got a show in town, you know, yeah, a TV yeah, show. Down, uh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I can't think of his name right now. Jeanette probably will remember. But he wrote the book, and in that book, what did you say in that book? Uh, I said, you're the best football player I ever coached. And that's a pretty big statement. I coach them pretty good. That's a huge statement. Uh, there's you there's some that were close. You know, I mean, you weren't that far ahead of some of them. But, you, you know, I made the statement. I stand by it. Because you, you, had, you had a lot of talent. You had a lot of talent. But, but do you remember this year? My first year as a freshman. And, uh, you know, you, 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 the way you taught me was that. You know, you had a habit of step, step to the right, count 1,001, step to the left, count 1,002. And then you look left, right, left, then you take off. Then one day, about my sophomore year, I said, Coach, I said, this, all this slowing me down. Just leave me alone. <laughs> Let me play. <laughs> By the time I do all that, the play over with, I said. <laughs> and from that day forward. Well, I think that was something that you could do over and over again until it's automatic. Right, you know? that's what happened to yeah, you. Yeah. But do you remember after that what you would tell me after that? No, I don't, I don't remember. 
every for practice, what you say, just don't get hooked. Yeah, don't get hooked. That's right. <laughs> do what you want to do. Just don't let that outside leg get hooked. The way you can't for the, for those for my so, my sophomore and junior year, you you did you you left me alone. Yeah, you just well, told me, don't get hooked. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That was your favorite line. Yeah. Don't, you you be coaching yeah. everybody else. You look at me. Don't get up. That's all. <laughs> well, you know, you didn't, I didn't want you to get that outside leg, you know, blocked. You got to keep that leg free. It's that. And of course, I played defensive end. See? Right, right. So you knew that just. Yeah. You I played that. offensive tackle and defensive end mm. back in those. Play, played both ways. So I had some pretty good coaching, you know, from other coaches to me. Plus, I, you know, had some experience. As a player, and uh, you know, I, it's just some some things are just basic, you know. And that was one of the basic things about being a defensive end: just don't get hooked. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just—it's funny when I think about it because you emphasize that, yeah, right. you know, that just don't don't get hooked. Don't get hooked. And that—and that's what I did. I played the game, and you allowed me to be to be free. Because a lot and of times I, I remember trying to, you know, we're playing a. Against a team, I don't know whether it was a Veer, split backfield Veer, or or the Wishbone, or we scored Wishbone, and uh, they would run an outside dive instead of running it inside the tackle, they'd run it outside the tackle. And of course, on option plays, normally the end's going to have the quarterback, and the, the defensive, you know, they're going to have the, the dive play inside, linebacker and tackle. Well, on the outside, when they run that. Guy on the inside, well, you got to the end, got to close down and take the, the dive man. But I think a couple of times you took the dive man and the quarterback both. You know, and I guess if you'd have pitched it, you'd have got the pitch man also. And I think you told me one time I was just just standing there doing my job. I think that was my sophomore year. I believe we were playing Indiana or Colorado in, in, okay. in the state in the LSU stadium, and the dive man went down, and the quarterback. Kept the ball, so I stepped to him and he pitched it, and I knocked the pitch back. Knocked the pitch back. Okay, yeah, I think I remember that. <laughs> and Clint Barrera recovered it because yeah. we was about to lose that game. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that's the time you when you told me trying to tell me that don't this don't get hooked. You know, I don't know whether it was. It seemed like it might have been Utah State or something like that. Yeah, that's who it must have they been. They came yeah. in, we didn't ever hear of them, but they had a put down, and we were kind of down losing the damn game, and I think we ended up winning. Did you block a punt in that game? No, I, I, pushed, I, I, bat, I batted the, the – he ball, pitched the yeah. ball. Yeah, right. I batted the pitch back. Okay, yeah. So you couldn't, you couldn't figure out how, how you – I don't <laughs> well, know. <laughs> you know, because it's hard to hit a ball that's being pitched out. But yeah, I, hit the, right. I hit the ball and knocked it back. Yeah. And that was uh, – that's kind of when things started getting started, mm -hmm. when you started telling me how you, would, you, you see I can be a great player, a great athlete. A great leader. You started telling me those things. I guess you use reverse psychology. I'll be like, we ain't gonna, we ain't worried about coaching. We gonna worry about just getting get, you get the right mindset and let you know what you can do, accomplish. And you can, and the, the job, team can accomplish. What you're that. supposed to do. You know, I remember too. You tried to leave one time. Once I had to talk to you in the stand. I remember your daddy. I think had a problem, and I think you wanted to go home. Anybody help your mama out? I think that was a problem. But uh, I remember that, and we had to talk to you in the stand. Well, matter of fact. Let's revisit that. I never really, we never talked about that. Yeah, right. <clears throat> okay, that was in, matter of fact, it's April now, or this is this the first day of, it's April, it's the last day of April today, I believe. Might be the first of May. <clears throat> first of May. Well, because I realized a couple of days ago, 43 years ago, in April, on April the 28th, my dad was killed. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was, a, that was, that was hard to take. And you are the one who came to to my room that early that yeah, that morning. Well, I don't remember that, but yeah, and, that was kind of tough. And you told me that uh, my dad was was killed, and you know that somebody was going to be there to pick me up <clears throat> in a couple of hours, and uh, and that kind of you know was a. A yeah, tough situation. Tough so, thing, but I think you were talking about leaving and go help your mom. Well, because like I, that. I, now that happened in April, so I had to come back to finish up school. I went back to Franklin. I you know, got LSU, helped me to get a job at uh, McDermott. Mm -hmm. 
shipyard. Mm -hmm. And I started working there, and that's where my dad used to work at. Oh, your dad worked there too. And they, all the guys took really good care of oh, me. Oh, that's good, yeah. And they, they looked out for me. You know, I was making pretty good money mm -hmm. at that time, at least what I thought was pretty good yeah. money. And when it came time to go to camp, because yeah, my mom had any money at all, that was good money. Yeah, it was good money, <laughs> right? And it was, it was it was ready to now, now it's start time to start to camp, get, report back to LSU for camp. And my my mom and dad had eight had eight of us, five girls and three boys. Oh, I didn't realize that. And I had one, two, three. I had four younger than me. So we figuring out, okay, how, you know, you manage. How we, how they gonna manage? You know, we living in the in, a, in what they call the projects at the time, and that was a really really tough time. And but y'all, but you LSU, uh, Coach Mack, Kevin McClendon, and you y'all really worked to get me back because I really wasn't coming back. But yeah. you showed up several times, yeah. and quite a few other people showed up to encourage me to uh, to come back. But the, my father at that time, uh, which you remember, he was he was out one eat one Friday. Uh, no, it had to be a Saturday. Uh, I believe that was on the Saturday uh, evening, because you woke me up early that uh, Sunday morning to let me know that uh, that he was gone. gone yeah. And when I got back up there, he was stabbed to death. Yeah. So it was a violent death, mm -hmm. and it was hard for me to. Take, I understand, yeah. That was a very, very tough, <clears throat> very trying time. So, you know, I do understand uh, the loss of a loved one through violence. Yeah, well, I bet to, you to, do. To lose your, I lost my son, I lost my father. That was a very... Do you have any children? I have a, I have a boy and a girl. I think I met the boy yeah. somewhere along the line. Yeah, yeah, well, you, you met, yeah like you met him at one of the gatherings yeah, a couple yeah, times. You met him a few times. I, and I, I don't think you met my daughter one time at, when we when LSU mm -hmm. and Coach O was over there at the, uh, uh, Mike Anderson's a couple yeah, years ago. Right. So okay. you got a chance. You, got, you had a chance to meet them. Look, get back to your high school coach, uh, Robert McDonald. How'd you, what did you think of him? Did you did you like him as a coach? Oh yeah, well he, he was he was very fair. Yeah, you know he. Uh, was he kind of tough at times? Was he? Oh yeah, oh yeah. He was. You know, back then we called him an a hole, but he. <laughs> <laughs> But but he did, he did ha have the interest of the players at heart, yeah, probably yeah. because he was a player. Talking about what your uh, what the players called a coach. When I went to LaRose Cutoff, they all spoke French. Okay, well I'm I'm LeBlanc. I'm I'm three quarter French. A little, I think a quarter Italian. But mom and daddy, that's all that they, they wanted to talk to themselves. Talk French. My grandma. In Mamou, Louisiana, never spoke with the class, with the school, day of life. Only spoke French. But anyway, I'm going down to the Rose Cutoff, and boy, they, they, they're having that French. You know, whenever we, I was coaching, <laughs> and I say, fellas, look, I don't know how to speak French fluently, but I said I know all the curse words, okay, that that you can say in French. So. Be careful if you're gonna curse the coach out because I I know I know all the curse words and so but anyway, Robert McDonald he was quite a character. Yeah, but Coach McDonald yeah he coached me the whole time I was at uh, Franklin High School, and when uh, when I got to LSU, of course you you was my you know not only did you recruit me you ended up being my position coach. Yeah, right, exactly. So that was very very interesting. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We, we got a chance we spent a lot of time together. Well, how much time uh, did Skippy Sterling, Doc Sterling, did he talk to you quite a few times? Uh, or no? I mean, well, well, Dr. Sterling and I became very close. I haven't talked to him in several years, but uh, he have, he became part of the family, you know, because that's the type of man he was. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he engaged and dodged himself into your family, got to know everybody, but everybody knew him because he the one that looked out for everybody. He looked out well, for you know, the I mean, just a quick story. When I was recruiting Leonard Marshall, I found out, you know, that's a long another story about recruiting. He, this Oklahoma trip he took. But anyway, uh, he came to LSU. And one of the good reasons he wanted he came was Dr. Sterling. Dr. Sterling, I think, saved his little sister's life. You know, if a doctor could do that, his, his sister got real sick one time. And uh, so, I mean, if Dr. Sterling would ask the, the, the father of this young girl, you know, how about having your boy come to LSU? Well, there's a pretty good chance he's going to want his son to come to LSU, you know? 
No, anyway, yeah. and Doctor Sterling really—he he, was—he's always been someone special yeah, right. in the community of, of Franklin. Yeah. But you know, but thanks, th thanks to you, Coach, that I had a chance to uh, come to LSU. At first, you know, I didn't. He said, "Why would he, why would they want me to play at LSU?" Matter of fact, it wouldn't tell my grandfather uh, Mayfield Johnson and I had my other grandfather uh, Albert Bud White. They came to talk to me about, "Look, we think it's best if you go to LSU." But my uncle Bud White, who was a coach who coached me in junior high and high school. Is the one who really kind of came to me and said, look, if you can play at Nicker State, you can play at LSU. And I, you know, did you kind of doubt yourself at that time? Oh, yes. Did oh, you yeah. really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because – Well, I did too yeah, when I was came yeah, to come to LSU. Because, I mean, I didn't want – you know, football was big at the time to me, but it's, it wasn't my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to play football. Yeah. You know, but just at that time, you're in a little small time, you figured out what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. You know, what so you gonna your, do in life? And your grandparents and your uncle—they all wanted you to come to LSU. That's kind of helped. Yeah, but that made that made a big difference. Although I still was focused on going with my cousin Ray because that's my partner. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, what did Ray think about that? I mean, he was disappointed you didn't come. Well, no, wait, wait, no. He well, he was he 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 always uh, on, was on the side of. What's best for me is a great did opportunity. He, did, he, did he play and make a name for himself? No, well, he made a name for himself because he he had a, he worked the Slumber J many years. Became he he ran components of Slumber J, so he's an engineer. Well, good. So he good. did he did very very well well's for good. himself in life and still is, and uh, so he's always been there. Of course, let me ask this question here. Okay, now you recruited, like they they call you the black recruiter. They recruited a lot of uh, of players of African descent. But you didn't play with any players, against any players of African descent. No, uh, I did when I was a kid, when I was a, maybe seven or eight, nine years old. Growing up. Growing up, because uh, my daddy had a grocery store. And, you know, back in those days, I mean, things have changed now, thank goodness. But there was a place where the blacks live and a part of town where the whites live. But my daddy's grocery store was like right on the line. So he had a lot of customers that would come to a store at the shop. But plus there was a big park about a block away from my house. And I used to go out there to that park as a little, little kid and, and play ball. I guess I had as many black friends at that time, you know, as I had white friends. Uh, anyway, uh, I can remember at high school, Ross High School was the black high school. Crowley High was a white, and we had St. Michael, which is now Notre Dame. But we'd sometimes, I know we did it at least once, knocked on the door when they were playing somebody, they let us in to go watch the black team play, you know, Ross oh, okay. High School. Yeah, okay. So uh, you know, there was never any prejudice among us when I was, I was growing up. I think one of the first fights I got was with another little Black boy was playing basketball for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why that we got in a fight with that. It's kind of grabbing each other, right, you know. Right, right. But uh, you know, coming to LSU, it was completely segregated at that time. And another quick story. I wish I could remember the guy's name. But I was a sophomore in high school. Okay, they had three guys: me, Danny Underwood, who came as a freshman. We had six four. 240, didn't have the feet. I was 6'2", uh, 89, 90 when I came as a freshman. And Lee Jude Reed, who came the next year, three players at Crowley. And I was a sophomore, and uh, Danny was a sophomore in high school. Somebody in town paid our way to New Orleans to see the Sugar Bowl. And we caught the train in Crowley at, at 12 o'clock at night. Boy, I remember I had a brand-new pair of shoes on. just killed me. I had to walk around. We got to New Orleans. We didn't know what, what to do, where to go. We, we, we were going to find our way to the stadium. And went to the Penny Arcade, you know, put a little nickel in there, and you see these girls dancing and stuff. You know what I mean? So we're in the big city coming from Crowley. Anyway, that was in 1954. You can look it up. Sugar Bowl. Remember that. You can go look it. Pittsburgh was playing Georgia Tech. Pittsburgh had a black running back, and I wish I could remember his name. 
in fact, I had an article about him not very long ago, but he was the first black to play on a white football field in Louisiana, and I saw that game in 1954. And uh, I don't I don't even remember who won the game, but uh, oh, but he played with Pittsburgh. He, he came played from with state. Pittsburgh, yeah, and Georgia Tech. They allowed their people to come to, to play, and that was 1954. But look, I think I don't remember the first baseball game. Hell, the LSU won the, won the SEC and were picked to play in the tournament against blacks, and the, the state legislature voted against it. They wouldn't let them play. You know, how ridiculous is that, huh? I mean, people were stupid back then. Now, now what year was this? Was, I want to say this was like in 61, 1960 or 61. I think I might have been a graduate assistant on the football team. I coached two years on the freshman, on the freshman team. But anyway, the team won the SEC, and they were going to play in a tournament, you know, the – First tournament, and the state legislator voted against. They wouldn't let them go. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> so I never had a. Uh, the first opportunity I had to play with black football players, Coach Dietzel invited me, one of four players, to go play in the Hula Bowl. And at the Hula Bowl, okay. Ron Burton was all American. Ooh, I hit this thing, and I forget they had a bunch of. I mean, just the nicest guys in the world, you know what I mean? We all had the East-West play so, at each other. So you, you, y'all went to Hawaii then? Went to Hawaii, yeah, played the oh, hula bowl. Okay, dude. That was, yeah. that, was, that was a really, really fun trip. But uh, oh, That, was, that played, was big time for a country boy out of Crawley going to Hawaii. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, that uh, is a short story about all that. And, that that's uh, a pretty – so you so you saying around 1954. 54. He, this guy, this running back from Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. was the first one of – First the, black – football player to play on a white football in the state field of Louisiana against white players in the state of Louisiana state of Louisiana so check it out okay. it's a, it's a, you can google it real quick when you get home the 1954 uh, Sugar Bowl Pittsburgh versus uh, Georgia Tech and he'll give you and I, he'll probably tell you about this guy today but anyway I saw the first one in fact the first black football player, I think, signed to a scholarship at a white university was Joe Prophet when I was coaching at Northeast. You remember that name? I think he went to Atlanta. You might have been there. He was ahead of you. He he left two years before I got there. Okay. I mean, a super nice guy. Yeah, he's from North Louisiana. Well, from Monroe. That's right. He was was the first one recruited at Dixie White, the head coach, and I helped him recruit. Uh, And he was a hell of a guy. I remember the story about him. He came to Dixie White's funeral. He was still in Atlanta. I think he was probably playing, not playing. I think he had a car dealership or something like that. And somebody asked him, I think, asked him, well, how did the, I think he was telling a story about a sports writer. I asked him, well, how did the coaches treat you at Northeast? You know, being that you were the first black, you know, to play at Northeast and probably the first black to play at a white university. He said, just like everybody else, like shit. <laughs> she didn't be just like they did everybody else, like shit. I think he said like hell, I don't know. But anyway. So I had a big, long history with blacks. You know, I've always gotten along with them. And, uh, you know, uh, some of my – I remember as a kid, we used to have a baseball. They didn't have a little league. we just get a gang together and play baseball. And I remember they had one of the black guys, I wish, wish I could remember his name, a really nice guy. He played in our team with us. And what we do, I remember he had the, the little banded roosters, little fighting banded roosters, little fighting cocks. Little, oh, oh, real roosters. Real roosters. After the game would be over with, we'd go out there and put a quarter down or 50 cents down and they'd fight. Fight the roosters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just young kids. Of course, that was a big sport back in my day. Well, that chicken fight, dude. Yeah, it's a, it's a law now. Well, what was it? Quarterback got, got, got yeah, put in jail for it. You know, he was a dog fight. A dog know? fight. That's yeah, right. That's uh, right. Uh, you know, they're going to sit there in prison for yeah. dog fight. Anyway, yeah, so. I'm telling you a bunch of stories here. I don't know. <laughs> you know, that, no, but those, that's, that's, that's more going about a long me way. than about you. We're supposed no, to be talking that's about why I'm interviewing you because uh, I want to be able to you know, tell your story. That's the beautiful thing, Coach. Well, anyway. But look, I want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this with you. And I said, I was going to share it with you before. And I said, well, no, I don't want, I, I don't want you to be uncomfortable. Okay. So I didn't, I, I didn't share this with you. And it really happened when I was in prison. But now I know you don't, I mean, but I, I want you to know I changed my name. 
Oh, you did? I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I changed my name from Lyman White to L.D. Azobra. L.D. what? Azobra. Azobra. Okay. Yeah, Azobra. <laughs> what the, how the hell did you come up with that? <laughs> Me, uh, oh, the, way, the way that happened is uh, when I was in prison, I used to, I used to go sit outside and meditate. Because first I was sitting there and saying, how, Lord, how did I end up here? Mm-hmm. But I'm here, right? So I, I, took the, I took my time and energy to go find myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, lock me up. Yeah. So I guess I say, I, I can say it this way here. I, I went to study abroad, <laughs> and I got me a, a PhD, a prisonology degree. <laughs> so I would, well. I would sit there and meditate, and uh, the, a lot of the guys, you know, they, they kind of admired that. I watched the sunrise, and that was the most powerful experience it was so powerful that I look forward to doing it every day. Well, that was one good thing. You, oh, know, like you had something to look forward to yeah, every day because that you were there. First of all, you know, you start learning, like, I did not know the sun rise in different places every day. Just something that yeah, simple. Right, yeah. I, I never knew. Every day the sun is in a different place. And it was, all, and it was always fascinating. But how the sun, you know, when you're growing up, you never think to, to look at the sun yeah, in that right. way. But a young man... <clears throat> He came, he was talking, I, I would speak with to him every now and then while I was in prison. And he looked at me and said, man, you know, I really admire how you get here and meditate. And, he, and I, would st- I would work out after I got through meditating. He said, uh, I just admire you, how you sit there and meditate. He said, but he said, you, need to, you, you need to change your name. I said, change your name? Well, he, was, he was from Africa. Okay. And he was uh, from, uh, oh, shucks, shucks, shucks. He spoke Swahili. He was from a place they call a mountain of the moon. I can't think of the name. Uh, on the other side of Kenya over there. But he spoke Swahili. He said, I, he said I'm going to give you a name, a zobra. I said, a zobra? Well, what do that mean? He said it means the sun. It means the light. Yeah, I said, oh, okay. And well, I like the, the name. Called, yeah, because yeah, you know, I like the name. And it always was like light enlightenment. And I, I like the name. And for, that's the, when I when when he done that, I took I looked at things different. Like most people say, you change name because you're Muslim. It had nothing to do with no Muslim religion. It had nothing to do with yeah, that. It was yeah. it was talking to this young man. <clears throat> and when and I, and I was thinking, you know, when I when I get out of prison, I don't want to be the same individual at all. I want to be different. I want to be. I, that's why I shaved my head. I shaved my head right when I left yeah, prison. I yeah. shaved my head in well, prison. It looks good on you too. That's <laughs> So I shaved my head, and I wanted to be a new me. Mm-hmm. I wanted. To, I, I went and I found myself. Prison. Put on is a new, new, new cloth. Yeah, new, and that's 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 the way I felt. Where you know, for me to do, be doing what we're doing now, to sit do interview. I'm not a journalist. I'm not you know. I'm, I'm not into uh, what they call this stuff, the media. But just something I want to do with, with this podcast and interview you because I say, well, who can tell my story better than you? Mm-hmm. Who can best talk about? My history better than you because it's hard for me to talk about myself. Yeah, well, I'd rather yeah. talk about other subject matters than yeah, talk right, about myself. Yeah. I understand. And so that's kind of, I wanted to share with you about my name change, which I know you had no but clue did you, about. You, what, you went back to Lyman White again? You no, still, no, you still I still, you, I mean, you know, I still, that's, that's what I go by. It's, you know, of course, most people are not familiar with that and they're. Yeah, so you know, when you, I'm so and so, I want to come talk to yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so if I don't call you and told you, you know, you say, now who? You, then you'd have to th- rethink it because now, now, another question I would have is this here. When I first asked you about interviewing you, sitting down and sharing this, you know, talking about the history, because I just thought it was exciting for the coach who recruited me over 40 years ago, still here to tell, my, tell the story. That was mm-hmm. powerful. And I asked, I called you, and uh, you was a little reluctant about well, doing. Well, I it. don't, I don't, I don't do these things anymore, because I, first of all, I'm, I'm worried about my memory. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget something and whatever, or say the wrong thing. You know, <laughs> so uh, I just, uh, I was, you know, I'd do a lot of things for you, Lyman. Mean, I wouldn't. I'd do a lot of things for you that I wouldn't do for other people. Okay, just know I, that. I appreciate that, Coach. But, uh, Thank you. you know, you, I mean, you. If if you'd have turned me down, you know, early on, when I'd said the hell with you, Lyle, but you came <laughs> on to LSU and you, you made a good name for yourself. You know, I know you had a little problem and whatever you, 
I got a guy here that uh, kind of half-assed lives across the street. He's a homeless guy. His name is Dennis Boudreau. Boudreau is his last name, and we all call him Boudreau. I might see him walk by, but he he works his butt off, you know. He works in my yard, helps underneath the house on top of the roof, and he works for about four or five other people. He's always got money. And he's been beat up several times. They beat him up. Some guys picked him up one day, had money, and, Broke his jaw, dropped him off at Southern. But anyway, what I was gonna what I was gonna say about Boudreaux, he'll uh, kind of losing my thought train of thought right now. But uh, oh, he went to prison about I want to say two years ago now, and he was caught supposedly stealing from somebody's house, a utility room, and somewhere in this neighborhood over here close. Well, they had. Several guys that looked just like him. They ride the bicycles. They're homeless, and he always said it wasn't him. But I think it might have been him. But several people, the girls would go to the, to the they'd come for the judge and say how good he was and everything. Well, he stayed in prison for 11 months. And what I always tell him, I said, look, Boudreaux, now you, you, you fly right now. I don't want you to go on vacation again on me. I call it his vacation, <laughs> going to, going to prison. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't guess it's quite a vacation, but uh, anyway, that's what I tell him. No, uh, Coach, I wouldn't wish prison on no one. Matter of fact, that experience, when you think about it, all these grown men sitting around being non-productive. Yeah. Being not, the system just got you there, but they making mm -hmm. money off of you. Yeah. But you you just sitting around there being, it, it was, the, it was the, the worst use of human yeah, beings than right. uh, me and just not being productive. Did at you all. ever hear from Ramsey Dardar at all? Well, yeah, Ramsey home. Ramsey been home for years. For oh, has he? Three, four years. Yes, oh. I talked to him all the time. Well, is he is he doing right? Oh, he's now? doing great. He, he he and his wife Lorraine, they are they are in New, in Atlanta now because they, he's in Atlanta. Yeah, they had moved to Lake Charles when the hurricane hit last year. Hurricane Delta and Laura, and they was a they. The house that they had just ready, just put the furniture in. The house really blew up. Mm -hmm. well, that's <laughs> so, a shame. I, I liked old Ramsey. I didn't get a chance to coach him, but uh, every, you know, I, I think he was. Was he a freshman with you? No, you coached him. You coached him that one year. One maybe. year. You coached yeah, him that one, right, year. one year. I mean, a super nice guy. Always had a smile on his face. That's Ramsey. Oh. I think the drugs got to him. Wasn't yeah, it drugs? Right. right. He uh, had the best heart out of any player you could imagine. Always ruin, giving, always kind. That's a ruination of a lot of people. The damn drug epidemic we got, opioids and stuff now. That's crazy. But you know, I, and it's the funny thing about it, coach. It's like the system is like they're pushing the drugs on people. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, exactly. The drug come away from Afghanistan. <laughs> so how does it get it here? Yeah, that's right. Well, anyway, I, I enjoy. It. Is that is that it right now? Well, let me see if I got got all your questions <laughs> answered. Uh, yeah, I mean, did you talk about the Chinese? You was part of the Chinese bandit? No, no. Oh, no, you weren't trying to. That was the third team. Yeah. <laughs> the Chinese band was the third team. <laughs> you know, they had the white team, the gold team, and the band. The team, right? The white team was the one that wore the white jerseys, and uh, in practice, and we were the starters. And then you had the, we had enough good football players that they had enough sense to say we got to get these people to the game. So they 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 put the the next best 11 players on offense and the next best defensive players on defense. Well, Terry and the Bandits or something like that uh, was a cartoon that Diesel, they were the most vicious people on the earth. He put that name on the Chinese Bandits on them. And they had a lot of good football players on them. In fact, a guy that, Bell uh, Branch, who played the same position I played, played on the Bandits. He ended up playing for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs for 11 years. He was behind me. You 11 know? years. But he, but he played that long. But anyway, so uh, Dietzel always said that he had 33 starters. Well, they didn't have no 33 starters. They had the, they had the white team who started every game. You know, we start the first quarter and play the first seven and a half, and they had to go in twice. They had a rule you couldn't go in the, in the quarter, but twice at that time. So if, if, if after seven minutes, we were going to get the ball where the go team would be in. And if they'd lose, they'd run until they'd lose the ball, they'd put the bandits in. And they'd go back and forth twice. And then if we had much time left over, we'd go back in and finish it. So you could do that 
first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. So actually, Billy Cannon only played half the damn time. You know, because Scooter Purvis, which is a good friend of mine, still living today, fine. Yeah, Coach he, Purvis. He was, well, you remember him. He yeah. was behind it. But uh, the bandits got all the publicity. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> they had this, this coolie caps on there, the Chinese mask. And I'm kidding you when I said they were 13, but they – they weren't, they they weren't, weren't the first starters, So right. people ask me, I play with a band, I said, hell no. That's a, that's a <laughs> that, that was the insult. <laughs> yeah, a, I mean, it really wasn't, but that's what I <laughs> So, but, but my, my third year, my junior year at LSU, your, your last year, they started calling the, the our defense the Chinese bandits. bandits. Okay, all right. You don't remember that? I kind of remember something. But, but, the, but the guys changed the name to the Soul Patrol. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the, back, the defensive backs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the defensive backs. Are now we the Soul Patrol. We had no <laughs> Chinese bandits. Well, but anyway, that was that was that was novel back in those days to play thirty-three guys, and I think I think there was thirty-five guys that lettered, and I think the last count we had sixteen that passed away. Out of out of that, out of that yeah. In fact, Warren Rapp, the quarterback, called me today. We're going to get together. Uh, he wants to start playing golf again. I'd like to play golf twice a week. But uh, he said we, we need to get together during the year and possibly just at somebody's house and watch the game rather than going to the stadium, making a big to-do, getting tickets together, all that bullshit. And he said, he said I think there's, what, five of us left off the, the white team? I said, I believe that's right. There was me. Max Fugler, Bo Strange, the doctor, uh, and, and, and Warren Rabb, and then Johnny Robinson's still alive. He's, yeah, he's yeah. been bad off, but one hell of a football player. I think Johnny was a better all-around athlete than Billy was, but uh, that's beside the point. But, but, Coach, at this place and junction and stage at your life, in your life, and we know that we all going to transition over. Oh, yeah. It's, it's coming. It's, <clears throat> my grandmother made a powerful statement to me one day, and I was sitting there speaking with her. And uh, she told me one day, she said, uh, I said, Grandma, how you doing? What's going on? She said, well, I'm just getting things ready. Things ready for what? Getting, you know, because you know, she told me I could have a, some, some uh, a, a dining room set that she knew I always liked. She said, oh, you can go down and have that that." That uh, shift of road, whatever you call that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I said, "Well, no, I don't want to say the opposite, because you know, I, you know, one day our grandma ain't gonna be here." I said, "Why would you say that?" I said, "Just like you prepare to live, you got to prepare to die." Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And that was the most powerful. You know, I was a young man. I, I had never heard that like that. You don't so, want to dwell on it though, yeah. but you, you got to prepare. But it, it's reality. You got to you know? prepare for it. Yeah. That's that's part of the thing. So yeah. you you think about that? That 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 affects you every once in a while. You know, uh, I, I I just I just kind of take one day at a time. See, I've been retired for what nineteen, let's see, 15, sixteen years now. So I'm kind of used to just getting up and doing what I got to do. You know, like the other day, I think I wrote down to make sure I got it all done, uh, different things. But normally it's just just freewheeling, you know. And uh, uh, I'm not afraid to die, but uh, I don't want to get sick if I can help it. You know, people who get sick like Alzheimer's, with, you'd have to depend on somebody else to live. That's what I don't want to do. I just hope I go to bed one night and I don't wake up, you know, instead of, you know, I got a, Lynette's now 13 years younger than me. She's an ex-nurse, so I think I might have done right, but she's tough on me. <laughs> Talk about tough. Mm. You know, she's seen people with cancer and treated them, and they've been a, those young kids that uh, had cancer and died, and you're over there complaining because your arm hurts, you know, you got a tennis elbow or something, won't you just shut up? <laughs> you know, that's how she is with me. She's your, she your coach, yeah. That's right. She's your yeah. life coach. She keeps you So, young. But I think about it some, and I, I just I just hope that uh, I'm in the good Lord's hands when I do. In other words, we, you know, we understand we're going to make that transition, but you don't want to have to suffer through that process. Well, I don't want to have to suffer, but I don't want anybody else to suffer, suffer either. Either you know, I'd rather just go ahead and. Uh, sometimes I think Doctor Kowarkian got the right idea. Mm. Sometimes I do. When you, when you're incapacitated, you can't get up to go to the bathroom. You know, you don't know who. You know, 
people, your, your, your wife or your husband or your kids anymore, give me a little cocktail and I can take it and I fall asleep, I'm gone. But you can't do that. It's supposed to be against God's will, but I don't know about that. I think, I don't know that he wants us to suffer that bad or make other people suffer too. And because just when you're in that position, others will have to uh, Put serve up. serve you and yeah. and deal with this every day. That's Take a, you that's, to the hospital, or sit up in the hospital with you, and you over there just it's a vegetable. Oh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. To, I don't want that to happen to me, and I hope it doesn't. Uh, it just <laughs> you know, but you never know what the next day is going to bring you. you just gotta uh, just. Stay on the good side of the Lord and just hope everything works out. You know, try to do your best. Right. Try to do your best at uh, being happy and making other people happy. Well, cool. I think yeah. I think laughter and is the best remedy for everything. Just laughing and having a good time rather than being mumped up, you know, pissed off at this person and uh, yeah. the system, you know, try to make the system work. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, anyway, just kind of be as happy as you can. And just roll with the punches a little bit. Coach, it's ironic that you speak about laughter and being happy when you uh, you didn't you didn't get you didn't laugh when I was <laughs> <laughs> playing for you. Oh uh, well, I don't know. It's you stayed pissed off. I've changed. I, I've changed. I, I, I kind of look back on some of the things yeah. and the way I talked to some players. I regret it, but you can't take it back. You know, some people you'll never see again. You know, I can remember uh, getting upset at those uh, player and. Hollered at him a little bit. Yeah, they don't need matter of fact, that. you 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 was really hard on my roommate. Who was that? Demetri Williams. <laughs> Demetri, I was. You know, Demetri. I think he's died. Didn't yeah, he pass he, away? About six, got seven years. I thought he should have played better than he did, but he was just a kind of a gentle giant. You know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? And I, I I can remember some you know coaching him. I didn't really do him right, really. But that you can't take it back. It's gone. You know. Yep. Yeah. I know. Uh, I know he's probably still pissed off at me right now. What's his name? Defensive lineman uh, uh, from New Orleans. Uh, oh, hell. Can't think of his name. I, I've done pretty good until this time. Your defensive tackle. Uh, Ivy Phillips? No. It was a white kid from New Orleans. Uh, I, I'll think of it as soon as you leave out the door. Anyway, I had a little trouble with him, and I didn't treat, I didn't treat him right. Uh, oh. He he was there with me. I think he was. Might have been there before you. Benji Thibodeau, Georgia T. Uh, I'm gonna think of it in a minute. But look, I did real good up until this point. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. You uh, Kent Broha. You know Kent, Kent Broha. Yeah. Yes, yeah. He, he was kind of wild. He didn't. Well, Coach, I thank you for giving me this opportunity to, right, to sit in fellowship and yeah. talk about some 40-something years or so of uh, history. <laughs> and, uh, and you did extremely well. I told you memory, would, memory was not that good. It was excellent. Yeah, and I feel honored to have been here. And uh, you gave me an opportunity at the time of COVID. I know when you were concerned about you know your health and the health of your loved one, to let me in here, and I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Coach. Uh, all right, that's all, right. all we can do. Thank you so much. Yeah. I hope it, it serves your purpose. Oh, it did. It did. Thank you. Now, always remember this here. Man can shackle the hand. Man can shackle the feet. But only you can shackle the mind. The mind is always free to travel wherever you dare to take it. And I'd like to thank you for tuning in once again to Count Time Podcast. I'm Brother L. Diazobra. Thank you once again. Remember. It's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. Time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted.